You ready? Who's ready? Who is ready? Tell me. Who is ready? Who is ready for this moment? Who is ready for what we are doing? Just tell me. It's a very simple question. Very simple question. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Are you? Is this something that you're able to handle? I think so. I think you're able to. I am. God knows I am. Are you ready? Who's ready? Who is ready right now? Being on time throws me off. The sarcasm, the wit, the poignancy of that, I understand. The biting, the biting rudeness. Yes, yes, I understand. Tonight, my friends, we're going to discuss something that I know is going to be a bit of a problem for some. And I apologize initially. I want to tell you right, right now that I'm going to apologize because we're going to be talking about a couple of things. Some topics which I find fascinating. And the only thing I the only thing I can promise you is that when I talk about something, I find it fascinating. Tonight, right now, we're going to be talking about Satanism, Erdogan, Elon, nothing, nothing, which is very important. Nothing. Mother, science, and ADD. It's very interesting. And, 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 and this, this sort of makes sense. Before we begin, let me say by saying to you, let me remind you of the following. Let me just say, oh my God, bread moth. Look at that. Hello, Lionel, long time no see. Just a question. What country will Netflix piss off next? With their re-imaging. I'm thinking India and Mahatma Gandhi. Bread moth, bread moth, bread moth. How are you, dear, dear, old and good friend? And that's hand crepitations to you, my friend. There is a an election going on right now. It's very interesting regarding Erdogan. And Turkey, and I and I don't know the the results of that. If anybody has this, uh, let me know. And it's one of those subjects where when you tell people about this, they're going to say what? You might say Erdogan, like Ahmet Erdogan, Nesui Erdogan, Erdogan. They pronounce it sometimes. It's now Turkey is Turkey. Yeah, we always change things. Peking, Beijing, Mao Tung, Mao Dung. Qaddafi with a K, a G, a Q, a B, who knows? They, they, they cut her Qatar. They change these names. Erdogan, Erdogan. I don't know. Let's call the whole things off. <laughs> but I digress. Now, do you know what Erdogan represents? Guess. Let me just say this. Erdogan. Russia. China, member in NATO, a strong man, right wing, buddies with Russia, buddies with, uh, um, uh, dealing with, uh, enjoying and negotiating and and dealing with oil and, and energy and consumers. Do not necessarily act as this, they're NATO but not NATO that NATO requires in order to bring them into the fold. Does this make any sense to you? Does this make any sense to you? Before I begin, I always stop and thank Crooner by Trade. Lionel Media is brought to you by Crooner by Trade. All of your crooner needs, such as birthday parties. Thank you. Weddings. Thank you so much. Crooner by Trade. Thank you so much. Please read this. And 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 thank you, thank you for your support and your your well the multiplicity of of support platforms we appreciate that. NATO is something I can't explain to people. NATO I can't explain. NATO 
to people is the good guy. Can you uh, do you understand what NATO is? NATO in a post in a post Soviet world. Remember George Kennan? I'm not gonna go back and read George Kennan. George Kennan was the wise man. He was also known as X. And he was the one who said NATO should be disbanded after the dissolution of the Soviet Union. NATO serves no purpose. What do you need NATO for? What do you need NATO for? NATO was in order to protect Europe from the Soviet Union. And to most people today, Soviet Union is synonymous with Russia. It's not. It'd be like the Confederate States of America and Georgia. I mean, there was this thing called the Civil War that happened, and with the, the, the dissolution of, of, of Russia, of the Soviet Union, there was no need for NATO, but NATO maintained its position. And the aftermath, the Russia, the resultant Russia said, what are you going to do about NATO? Don't worry about NATO. No, we worry about NATO. If there's one thing, I hope I you write these names down. Reed Kennan. John Mearsheimer is the god in my book. Uh, Sachs is terrific too. Will H. says, is that a wig? Yes, it is. It's a wig and uh, one of the best, by the way. Thank you. Now, what's interesting... Oh, by the way, well, thank you so much. Thank you. Any question is fine. To explain NATO now to people, forget it. Forget it. It's, just, it's, just, it, 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 it's, it's a waste of time. Americans just don't have any interest. They're thinking they're good. I think we've always known NATO good. And NATO is not bad per se. But the question is the utility of NATO today. What does NATO do for the world, who are you? What what does NATO provide? Many are saying that NATO is nothing but something that is a source of perturbation on the part of Russia. And what happened was, if you listen to certain aspects of it, Russia will tell you that the the basis of that that the 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 problem of Ukraine was with the offer being made to both Georgia and Ukraine to join NATO. Now, I'm not going to go through this again. You can read this. You can understand this. You can... Please, I, I beg you. But understand this before we move on to the next subject. As Mearsheimer tells you, you must look at foreign policy as a realist. Think of it as a black box. We don't know who's good. We don't know who's bad. We don't know who's evil. We don't know who's who's a nice guy, who's a bad guy. We look at what countries want, what is in their best interest, what it is that they are trying to accomplish, and that's it. And you act accordingly. Erdogan is a very, very, very critical part of this. Because what does he do? Does he does he is Finland was was talking about uh, joining NATO? What happens with Ukraine? So far, Ukraine nobody wants Ukraine in NATO. Nobody, nobody. Remember, this is this is something which is kind of a geostrategic, kind of a give and take, an explanation of which which I am not going to explain now for a variety of reasons. And I think it will probably put you to sleep, but it is fascinating. And if ever you want to understand what realism is, do that. Now, moving along, here's the story. Elon Musk. Anybody believing in the story of the CEO? Anybody believing? By the way, you know what the latest one is? Gretchen Whitmer replaces Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris replaces um, Feinstein, Di-Fi, Diane Feinstein. Do you hear what I said? Gretchen Whitmer replaces Kamala. Kamala goes 
to replace Dianne Feinstein. That's the latest going on. You got this? You got this? You understand what's happening? Remember you heard it here. It's not just me saying this. It's the it's the inside uh, group. My sources, as it were. Okay. Erdogan comes along and he says as follows. And by the way, this is really complicated with Turkey, with the uh, Jarablus Corridor, with oh my God, ISIS, and the I, it, it, it is it is it is beyond fascinating. Breadmoth has a point. Breadmoth says Erdogan seems based. Oh, bias playing both sides, both NATO and the Russians. Elon hiring that WEF lackey makes me jump off the Elon train. Breadmoth. Breadmoth. Okay. I want you to sit back. And let me let me try this again. You're gonna to have to understand the game here. I'm going to go back. Do you remember, do you know what Anheuser-Busch, the Bud Light story was? Do you know what that was about? Does anybody know what that was about? I know this may sound rather inconsequential and a bit of a non sequitur, but do you know what that was about? And I'm glad you bring this up. Okay? Let me explain this to you. Elon Musk is not your friend. Elon Musk is not the baby face. Elon Musk is not your buddy. He's not your boyfriend. He's not uh, the voice of free speech. He's not this lone voice. Yeah, he may want to do that, but he is a businessman. And he has, of course, Tesla, SpaceX, and a variety of other concerns you know nothing about. And they have told Elon this. Remember, Elon, we will let you play rogue revolutionary all you want. We are going to ask you to position yourself as the revolutionary, as the rogue, as this brash, um, this, this, uh, um, this, for lack of a better word, a revolutionary, this, this unique person here, the, the anti-Twitter, the, the anti-shadow uh, government, uh, deep state, you know, the man who, who invited Trump back. The man, we want you to do this because you're it, Elon. You're the cool guy. Ask Matt Taibbi. Where'd Matt Taibbi go? What was that about? What was that about? What happened with that? What about Barry Weiss? What happened? Huh? What was that about? What happened to the what happened to the files? What happened? Who told you about the limited hangout? I told you the question you should have asked immediately when Elon Musk came up with this idea of this notion, this thing called the uh, Twitter files. Are these files, Matt Taibbi, that you received that were handed to you from Elon Musk? Do you have access to the files? Can you go in and say, here, let me see this? Is this like WikiLeaks? No. You were handed them. This is called a limited hangout. That means a a series or a, a, a short, if you will, um, uh, tranche, so to speak, of information that you are provided which gives you the impression that something great and something incredible has been revealed. That is the limited hangout. You were told, look at what we have learned. Look. Wow. Thank you, Elon. Thank you. And you bought that. And there was some good stuff. Only to trash the predecessor. Remember when they um, basically told the New York Post the world's oldest, or the nation's rather oldest newspaper, that they were off, that they were gone, because, because, because of what? They were off because they dared 
to want to publish information regarding the Biden laptop, the Hunter laptop. Remember that? But that was the predecessor. And you thought, this was terrific. No, no, no. He was he was revealing information about the predecessor. This is the Jack Dorsey days. And that yo, whatever his name was, the security. No, a different story. Okay, so here's what's happening today. Erdogan asks Elon Musk, says, doesn't really ask him. Erdogan is not, not to be trifled with. He said, let me explain something to you. You are going to limit. You are going to limit, hold back, stop, censor, um, interrupt, whatever. Certain stuff regarding my election. My election. I think it's for Erdogan and the parliament. If he gets over 50%, he there's no runoff and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So what Elon Musk said was, Elon Musk said, this is what we were told. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do in response. There's some journalist named Iglesias who says, I can't believe what, what he's doing. I can't believe what Elon's doing. He's a sellout. He's selling out to Erdogan in Turkey. Say it ain't so. At two, Elon, Adam Schiff, even Adam Schiff, what are you doing? This is a limitation of free speech. This is censorship. This is wrong. Elon Musk says to his credit, first, have your brains fallen out, or has your brain fallen out? You want me to completely destroy any form of of market share ability in Turkey? versus granting the wish of this. That's number one. Number two, I'm telling you what they told me. Twitter, my predecessor never told you. Oh, by the way, we pretty much bounced anybody from the New York Post because they wanted to talk about Hunter Biden. We don't do that. They didn't do that. And Adam Schiff, now, if you said, as you know, if you have certain problems, certain comments, certain certain um, disagreements with either vaccine protocols or masking or certain protocols or, or palliatives or claims of, of election denial or whatever it is, Adam Schiff and these people would have no problem bouncing you forever from this. So it just so happens the limitation of free speech isn't a problem when it suits them. And what Elon Musk is doing to his credit, he's saying, he's, he's saying, I'm telling you. So I'm with Elon on this. I mentioned to you before, what was the Anheuser-Busch thing? What was Bud Light about? What was that about? Why does Bud... Do you, do you think that, that toothy uh, uh, Harvard grad from Anheuser-Busch was responsible do you believe, do you think they on their own said, hey, listen, you don't know this, but we're going to have this, this, um, this, I guess this <sighs> rollout, so to speak, this campaign in which we're going to bring Dylan Mulvaney to the, to the, to the fore. And nobody at the, in the front office of Budweiser knows about this. Are you kidding me? No. What happened was, the Human Rights Campaign, a Soros-based group, Human Rights Campaign, and, or, or Soros-funded, rather, and there's something called, I think, the ECI, ECI the Economic, uh, the, the Corporate, uh, whatever, Index, whatever this, kind of like an ESG grading. BlackRock and Vanguard and others said, if you don't comply with this, and Isaac Bush, we're going to pull out 60% of the of the stock that we own, whatever it was. They were told, you're going to do this. We're not asking you whether you like Dylan Mulvaney, whether you appreciate this, whether trans or whatever. We're not asking you. We're telling you this is the way it's going to be. That's the answer. This other stuff is nonsense. This hamana, 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 blaming her. It's ridiculous. You You don't have campaigns. Like this, where all of a sudden you have a photo shoots and you have money and expenditures that have been approved ostensibly and nobody knows about this? Come on, stop it. Well, well, Elon realizes 
I have a company to worry about. I have a company. And when it comes to Twitter, I've got to do everything in my power to... Uh, hang on. Now that Twitter is private, duh, 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 he has the bottom line to think of. So what he's doing is, what he's doing in essence is, look, I'm going to do everything in my power to be the good guy and I'm going to be the, the guy that you want and I'm going to try to be your hero. But I've got news for you and I want you to understand this. If you think there's something called free speech, you're out of your mind. If you think free speech is alive, you're out of your mind. So let's go back to what's going on. Who is Erdogan? Research this. What is NATO? Research this. How does Turkey fit into NATO? How does this work now specifically still with Ukraine? Why, ha why isn't Ukraine a member of NATO yet? Why? What's all this talk? This is the issue. This is what should be talked about, but nobody's talking about that. All right? Let's move that issue out of the way. And let me remind you, if you think that there's this thing called free speech where you can say anything you want, you're out of your bloody mind. You're out of your mind if you think that's true. That's not true. Okay, now, let's talk about something which is important. Satan clubs. Federal case ruled that uh, schools should provide an after-school provision or f uh, facility for Satan clubs, satanic clubs, and the like. Now, my friends... I want to go back a little bit. There is somebody, do we have, please, you don't have to acknowledge this. Is there anyone here who has ADD or ADD, ADHD? Anybody? It's very important that we, that we think about this. There's a fellow I want you to know named Thomas E. Brown. Thomas Brown is, a, is the expert on ADHD. Why do I say this? little background. Years ago, when attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder, before it was, it was kind of specified as such, they called it like hyperkinesis or hyperkinetic. Or they talked about kids who, who couldn't stand still, who couldn't sit still, who couldn't pay attention, who couldn't ring around. And as they got older... As that tendency to run around diminished the hyperactivity part, they thought, well, maybe they out, you know, they outgrew this. Maybe they, it just, because they're, look at them, they're, they're so much better. Well, the attention deficit part stayed, but the hyperactivity went down. And Thomas Brown, I want you to read this. He does this, Thomas E. Brown, he has a beard, kind of like a Quaker type of a, Fantastic. Why do I say this? I am immersed in everything to do with artificial intelligence, artificial general intelligence, how we learn, how we process, what is autism, how do things get processed, and how do they not get fixed correctly. And there are people who, while able to focus on many things, they're great athletes and hockey players and poker players, and they can play video games for long stretches of time. When it comes to certain organizational executive function things, they just don't have it. And in my reading and in my listening and in my following lectures and, 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 and being fascinated by this, as I become more and more acquainted with what learning is and what intelligence is and, and, and how the brain processes, I realize something, that America has attention deficit disorder. Mix and this is, I'm, I'm not meant to be, I'm not trying to be mean. Attention deficit disorder, ADD. They don't know how to self-study. Autodidact. Uh, didactism, uh, this, uh, this, this self, p 
pedagogy, the, the dialectics, the didactics. Learning something, teaching yourself something. People don't do this. They don't do this. And next, they will they will go off half cut on these things they know nothing about. And I was watching. Was, I'm fascinated by this study of this thing called Satanism. Uh, our good friend Jacob C. Goranson from Los Angeles says, do Davos operatives and the like actually love Satan and transgender or are they cynical uh, fulcra, I like that, to use against everyone uh, with a shred of dignity? Um, do they love transgender? I happen to believe no. I don't believe that. I think that is a, as you say, that's part of the fulcrum or fulcra. And Satanism? No. Absolutely not. I don't believe in Satanism. Uh, I I think it is a... We'll get to this in a moment. But I thank you, by the way. Jacob, thank you for this. And first, I hope I, I can say this without you getting upset. And when you tell me you believe something, I don't get upset because what you're doing is you're saying you don't really believe something that I believe in. So I don't want this to be where you can say what you believe and I can't. I will say what I believe, but I will never tell you that you're stupid or you're wrong. I'll just tell you I don't believe that. Or sometimes I'll say I don't believe that's correct or I believe that thinking is wrong or like in the case of people who speak French, I don't speak French. So I don't know. And there are some things about God I don't speak. I don't speak religion. It doesn't, it doesn't connect with me. It never has. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It doesn't mean just... For example, if you were to listen to somebody, if you're Christian and you hear somebody who's, who's Jewish and you hear Judaism, you're going to say, well, I understand what they're saying, but I don't, I don't uh, acknowledge it. I don't believe that. You're not saying they're wrong. You might be theoretically. If you listen to Muslims, this idea that somebody is wrong, but I will tell you this much. For my entire life, I have loved the study of Satan. And from the the uh, derivation of it, from Bess to Pan to Faust to Satan, who is the almost like the prosecutor, God's prosecutor. If you look at what Job, the first iteration of the blue, they were into colors. When, when Christ had uh, one angel of the flock, there was another angel, not the devil, not the devil, not what we would consider satanic, and the word Satan is different, Lucifer, light giver. Lucifer might have also been in reference to an actual star, if you know Latin, lux, lucis, lucis is the genitive singular, right? So, of the light. And all of this turned into medieval, right when it really picked up, believe it or not, was Faust and the notion of the horn, cloven hoof, this bifurcated tail, and that is pure pagan. That is pure manufacture. Never. The serpent in the... Uh, never, not the devil. It, it just... just the, the, the information is so replete. Now, let me go back to ADD. If you are not in the least bit interested in saying, well, where does this thing come from? Where does it say that devil, and let, let's be honest with you, you're speaking of the devil as the embodiment of evil, not just some weird things some after-school folks believe, not Baphomet and all that shit. You're talking about the, the personification of evil. By the way, this is the Lionel Nation Scholarship Foundation. The Lionel Nation Scholarship Foundation, a foundation designed to help millions of young students across the globe 
thanks to LNSF scholarships, uh, um, many are getting the education they believe. Thank you so much for this. Thank you, LNSF. You are not only witty and beneficent, but you're you're killing me. Thank you for that. Truly, I live in a part of of Hell's Kitchen, interestingly enough, where I can show you where they filmed The Exorcist. It's not what it was then, but it's, it's like right here. When I see the devil, this carnival, cartoon, evil, horned, cornate, uh, red, red, scaly. Red was important. The, the picture later on, red. I am fascinated every single year of my life, every single year at during Halloween, every time I was the devil. Every year I wasn't into that. I was fascinated. It was a it was like a dinosaur. You know, a dinosaur is it actually pronounced. Do do you realize this? There there are people who looked at who look at monsters and pterodactyls. That's what I look at. I still do. That evil. Remember in the Exorcist where they find this particular sign or something during this dig and you see the horrible? This is new. And there were I spent so much time recently going back and reading again and saying, well, you know, the the devil is not what people really think it is. There there might be organizations, but either way, number one, do I believe in it? No. Absolutely not. Now, if, if you cannot understand the footprints of humanity, if you can't understand or see the poetry, the lyricality of something that is put to a story of the devil, again, brand new, relative, never in the Bible, never, nothing even remotely similar to what you think. It's probably extra biblical. I remember going to Israel and seeing Gethsemane and seeing where the 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 the, the, the serpent or the devil uh, tempted Christ, it's still not really. And the whole idea: you had the devil; he was pushed out. Michael, the archangel, he retained his power. The devil versus the demons. It's one of the most fascinating stories ever. And if you again cannot understand the fingerprint of folklore and mythology in the this this one of this rhapsodic story of these evil monsters if you if 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 you believe this as literal you are entitled to do it i respectfully submit that that is the point missed completely and if my child wanted to go to an after school Satan class. I would be very careful, but I would say, be my guest. Be my guest. We had Alice Cooper, Anton LaVey. There was um, Alistair Crowley. There were all of these people. It's kitsch. It is theater. It is a lot of stuff. Now, there were some people. Oh, Oh, there were people who did terrible things under the name of this. There was Charles Manson who did things. By the way, Charles Manson, one of these days, you're going to find out that Charles Manson wasn't guilty of half, a third, a tenth of what they say he did. That's a different story. There have been people since the beginning of time who have done, who have, Ted Bundy, who did terrible things, who weren't a part of any kind of anything satanic. There's also Wiccan and Pagan. And it, this subject fascinates me. But what also fascinates me is how people will never even read about it. There's so much 
It's fascinating. What would you like to know? I don't know. I have this idea. Somebody on Twitter, I forget who, I'm not going to point them out, said, you must understand, in reference to the story of this after-school satanic class, the devil wants to lure you. And I'm thinking, this is, this is the exorcist. Now, as you know, the Catholic Church has the uh, has exorcism, and, and, and I don't want to get into that. Um, I don't know how popular this is. I don't know how frequent this is. Uh, I am not in any um, position to debate that. However, there are countless religions and people of faith who know nothing about possession, nothing about exorcism, nothing at all. The whole idea of Satan picking some poor little girl to bother, I don't understand it, but then again, I'm not Satan. But here is the question. Do you or do you not believe that an organization that is theoretically called the Church of Satan or whatever, Satan After School, should should be afforded and accorded and allowed and permitted the same rights to have a, a, a school room or whatever that any other organization enjoys. Number two, is Satanism a religion? Number three, define a religion. Number four, is this a violation of the Establishment Clause? Would the government, by virtue of doing this, would it acknowledge? Now let me explain something right off the bat. I am a firm believer, as you know, in my friend the Constitution. And I think that one of the most overdone concepts is this idea of the Establishment Clause, where people at schools can't pray for their team, or where the high school valedictorian can't thank God or Jesus or something. That's ridiculous. Or where they can't have a a school, a, a room or provisions so that biblical scholars or Christians can meet after school? I'm sorry. Where crush scenes and nativity scenes are not allowed? Come on. This is ridiculous. In God we trust on the coins? It's, it's historical. It's... We have got to... This, this is the Establishment Clause gone nuts, crazy. Now, I don't think we should have prayers in school and things like that, but the acknowledgement of religion, and I also don't have a problem with a science teacher in explaining natural selection to tell students, by the way, you must be aware of this thing called creation because you've, you as a student of this will go out and you will meet people who believe in this. And you, you, you have to know what they're saying. But do you believe that there should be that a, that a after-school Satan class deserves whatever facilities are made available? Absolutely. And more importantly, do you believe, and I find this to be fascinating because I respect you, do you believe that there is, there is a Satan, a devil? And there's different manifestations. Satan, remember, is God's prosecutor. He's a prosecutor. It's almost like a like an advocate. That's what Satan is. And the word hell is from uh, Hinnon, or this uh, this reference in Israel, this dark part. Do you believe this? And do you believe this? And do you believe that there is this this thing called Satan? And what do you do with it? If there is a Satan, what do you do? What do we do? What am I to do? Where do you, how do you address this? Do you fight it? Do you go after it? Why isn't, why is there a Satan? I don't understand this. How can I ask from help 
to to vanquish something which has been deliberately allowed to remain in place. And I'm not going to vanquish it. Now you could talk about it maybe perhaps as a metaphor for your own particular idiosyncrasy, your own uh, predilections, your own, I don't know. But it is one of the most fascinating questions there is. And what I'm telling you, and the reason why I mentioned ADD is people don't even study it. Learn it. I can't believe the number of people who've never, they have no idea, but they talk about it. They use the word satanic and demonic, but they use satanic, luciferian, and they don't know what they're talking about. Lucifer, light-bearing of the light? What? Not a clue. How can that be? How many times have you heard people use the term commies? We have to stop these commies, this Marxist, Leninist. It's not Marxism. It's not even close to Marxism. Well, you know what I mean. No, I don't know what you mean. Why do you say that? It's, I don't know. It's an expression, isn't it? It's an expression. Wendy's, feeling nostalgic? Try the all-new Lionel Burger today. Get it uh, today or while supplies last. Only at Wendy's. Wendy's, th- th- thank you. Dave, Dave Thomas in the spirit of this. I don't understand the the genius behind this, but I respect it and I thank you nonetheless. I thank you for that. And, and by the way, to you. Now, does this bother you? Please, please, please. I I can think of Nothing, nothing that we can't talk about if we do it respectfully. I'm not pointing fingers and saying this is crazy. Oh, by the way, lest you think I am some type of, uh, I don't know what, one of the things that you will find yourself, I mean, pilloried for, is if you dare, dare dispute the word of Darwin. If you do that, they will tell you that it is absolutely figured out. It is axiomatic. They will tell you this. They will tell you, Darwin is it. It's natural selection. Natural selection. Everything, everything. Fred Moss says, uh, but it does apply the term Marxism. We were warned, see Yuri Obez, no, I know. Also, my parents and I, although live in the USA, come from an Eastern Bloc country. So far, uh, for us, we can sniff it out if it smells like Marxism, etc. Well, first of all, Fred Moss, thank you for this, for your kindness. Let us look. Yuri, this is a very interesting part. This was when KGB was um, especially, especially in this kind of a post-Stalinist combination of the two. What Marxists will tell you, and I want you to understand this, what Marxists will tell you, is specifically they deal with and by the way I am not I am a not a Marxist it, by any stretch of the imagination. Marxism deals with an economic theory. It's a planned economy and it's based upon class struggles. Marxism does not have to be totalitarian. Socialism does not have to be at the end of a gun. Leninism, Marxism I don't believe it works. I think it's counterintuitive, counterproductive, and goes against the notion of, of the human spirit. It destroys ambition. It, it, it's the worst possible structure or system that one can, can live in. Period. End of discussion. End of discussion. But you're convincing, or some people confuse, Stalinism gulags, CCP, the crush, um, the uh, totalitarianism, fascism in essence, 
the inability to not to speak, gulags, forced labor. Um, that's not in Marxism. That's not Marxist. Marxists will say, what is this about? Well, I'm talking about planned economy. If, if done at the end of a gun, capitalism, some could argue, isn't it? Let us use our terms correctly. I don't want Marxism. I don't want socialism. Much of what we do is socialist. Do you think that uh, Israel describes itself as socialist? They, they would not think that they're in some kind of a totalitarian uh, regime. So just remember, you're using the term, I think, well, not with all due respect, incorrectly. Yes, it might be Marxist, but that's not the problem. You can have totalitarianism, and you can basically say, I'm not even going to have a system. You're going to be, this is going to be a slave labor thing. And by the way, let me explain something to you also. While we're at it, Mr. Moth, Bernie Sanders, AOC, this democratic socialism or social, I forget how they say it, that's a welfare state. That's a different story. AOC is not talking about at the end of a rifle or the, you know, some type of a forced labor or totalitarian shutting up, though I think some of the stuff she talks about is rather draconian in terms of the amount of limitations as to your speech and the like. But that's a welfare state. There are economic systems and there are political systems. The two are not necessarily the same. So not every, So you're using the term Marxism as primarily a synonym or a descriptive for totalitarian, for something that's extreme, that, that, that crushes particular personal ambition, that crushes free speech, that crushes dissent. Marx is not talking about that. I mean, he might he say, well, but you have to do it. That's all I'm saying. Use our terms correctly. Use our terms correctly. There's much that we know, well, I, I think, that some could say, about capitalism. That is brutal. But you know what? I think we should perhaps maybe find ways to, to soften the blow of stuff. But it's that brutality of capitalism sometimes that makes it work. So that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. There are countries that have treated, they have exhibited nothing but barbarism. There isn't even any kind of a system. It's just barbarism. All right, that's all. That's a different story. Get your terms right, is what I'm saying. AOC is not a Marxist. No. Bernie is not a Marxist. That's a welfare state. Let's give people stuff. Hey, give people stuff. And the best part is what fuels us in our country? Capitalism. And also kleptocracies. There are people who want to come and just steal money. There's nothing better than to say, cause a problem or help a problem. Hey, let's help that country. They're going to need a lot of help. Give me the money. I'll make sure they get it. Okay. Okay. So that's that. My question goes back to this. Should people... I want to know what Satanism is. Tell me about it. Don't hide it. Don't make it a forbidden fruit. Don't make your kids love it. Tell me. Tell me what it is. And they will tell you... I forget the name of the... Uh, the name of the fellow. Have you seen him? He has a very unique eye. There's a movie called Hail Satan. If you can see this, Hail Satan. This is a Magnolia Pictures. Hail Satan. This is... Uh, let me see. Yes, this is about... Yes, Lucian Greaves. Lucian Greaves. This is the main... This is a fellow, he's a social activist, spokesman. I believe he's a Harvard grad or something. He has a he has a very interesting his eye. Lucian Greaves. Um, I don't know what it is. He has a 
Yes, Lucian Greasy had an eye injury. What happened to his right eye? Um, I don't know what happened to it. Anyway, it's very interesting. It's very. He says, my, my eye is actually scarred, he says. Uh, my eye is actually scarred, but I'm happy to learn that this disfigurement might have the appearance of a fashion statement. Okay, there you go. Very good. And by the way, I, I, I find these people to be, as I did, Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, and these folks, to be kind of interesting. You know. Now, just so that you know this, I see nothing at all even remotely dangerous about this. I do not believe there is anything. Thank you, PBS. This program has been made possible by the William F. Buckley Foundation. Thank you so much. <laughs> PBS and you, you are incredible, and I thank you for that. Oh, oh, and hand reputation to you as well. Let me ask you something. What do you think is the foundation of evil? What causes evil? Where does evil come from? Define evil. Why are people evil? Why are people evil? What is evil? Give me a name of somebody who is evil versus somebody who is merely despotic versus somebody who is... What is evil? <laughs> Satan Israel, I married her once. Who is? What is evil? What is evil? I don't want to mention a particular name, but there was a fellow who was from a from a Germanic country years ago who was uh, pretty much considered to be <coughs> excuse me evil. And, oh, uh, Breadball says, sir, what do you think of RFK Jr.? Will he end up like his uncle? No, 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 no. We'll, we'll talk about that. Um, we don't even want to kid about that or reference it. I don't think, I, I don't think that uh, he has to uh, worry. I, I think those times I, I, I trust are different. The way you are, in essence, eliminated is when your voice is eliminated by virtue of the platforms. That's all. That's all. But something I want to tell you about, and this bothers people. This individual that we're talking about, this one fellow with the, the it's called a, a toothbrush mustache, a chaplain-looking fellow, was so monumentally ordinary in some respects that it shocks people. And many say, believe he is not a psychopath. Despotic, to be sure. Uh, barbaric, to be sure. Um, evil, certainly. But there are others who have been evil at the same level, at the same, if you will, uh, magnitude of evil. Evil is a very interesting word. Evil is evil from your point of view. Let me ask this question. Does somebody who drops bombs on innocent people, are they evil? Now, I know you're going to say, well, one more minute, that's, that's different. No, no, no. Vis-a-vis -vis the people who are bombed, is the person who's dropping bombs on them, are they evil? And I think you would say, yes, they are. And I would agree with you. What is evil? I think when you talk about the liquidation of, of mass swaths of humanity, that is beyond evil. That, that is the consummate evil. That's an evil that doesn't even... It's, it's. But what I'm about to tell you is the most frightening part about it. It is how ordinary these people are. And how unordinary... And how, how... Why it doesn't happen more often, I have no idea. It is the easiest thing in the world to do, to, to subjectively and objectively dehumanize a group of people. And we do it all the time. Evil is interesting. Let me tell you my what fascinates me. You don't know what good is unless you know what bad is. Serial killers have always been a subject of great fascination for me. 
Fascinating. Not the individuals, the manifestation. Take the entire population of criminals, the entire population, and you can look at many one. How many of the criminal population is truly schizophrenic? Not schizophrenic, um, psychopathic or sociopathic. Let's, let's say uh, 25% of criminals. But I think that's acceptable. Okay, because criminals are... Okay, 25%. All right. Just work with me. Of that 25%, how many of them do you think are murderers, have actually killed anybody? A small provision, a small portion. Most people do not commit murder. Most. Most do not. They could, they just don't. Of that sliver... How many are serial killers? None. Virtually none. Why? And it's good news. The reason why is because the number of people, thank God, there is a, there is a, a, a paucity, a de minimis number of people who actually feel the, the urge, the urge to go out and to destroy life out of a passion to quench a, a, a thought. Don Lashley, thank you, Don. Love the E.T. look. Thank you, Don. Truly. By the way, the almond eyes, you know what that look is, right? Almond eyes, and if you believe Philip Corso, we, we uh, retro-engineered, reverse-engineered that to give us night vision goggles. The small, the no mouth is because they speak via telepathy and not actual words. Small ears, compact, long, digital kind of Marfan-like. Uh, uh, it might not even have five fingers; it might be less. But they will. Sp- oh, and and the reason why they're smaller is they actually, their energy source is not from food and consumption, but something similar to photosynthesis, which I find fascinating. And they speak through telepathy. So anyway, thank you, sir. Going back to this, these people, if you sat down with them, you say, why did you do this? Why? There are people in prison who say, I've never had the slightest interest of going out and, and harming people. Redma says, when are you coming to do a show here in Texas? Oh, I can't wait. Give me some cities and I'll be there. I'm, 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 I'm dead serious. I might ask, I, you, know, you know who might be, might be able to help in a weird way is Joe Rogan. We'll see about that. He's in Austin, but thank you. I never understood what is it that makes people do this? What is it that makes people do this? What is it? I found it. I found it recently. There's an interview with... with um, Pierce Morgan and a fellow who was so boring, I almost turned it off. He was interviewing serial killers, one in particular, and he's a, he looks like an he looks very quiet, very 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 quiet man, quiet man. And just as I was about to change the channel, this man says to Pierce, he said, "What was the most excited you've ever been?" And he looked. The first time he did this, he said, it was the most exciting thing I've ever done in my life. And he said something to the fact, he said, the atoms moved. And I got it. I understood. At that moment, it was everything. Not necessarily just just the excitement of doing something, which, which is, by its very nature, the ultimate thing that human beings can do. And the the, 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 the taking of a life and the consumption of a personality and all the things that you do post-mortem, which is another story. But he said it was the most exciting thing he has ever done. The atoms move. I'll never forget that. Barry Taylor says, it involves actions that cause suffering, pain, or injustice and are often characterized by a profound disregard for the well-being of others. Well, Barry, yes, that you're speaking of makes a little bit of psychopathy. Let me explain that one to you. First, and thank you, by the way, hand crepitations to you, Barry. Sadism. 
Sadism is, I enjoy seeing you suffer. I enjoy seeing you suffer, and I enjoy seeing the fear, and I enjoy exacting this, this, this horror, to go in and to control you and everything about you, to, to consume you. And we'll get into other forms of that later on, a la Albert Fish, but anyway. Not everybody who's a psychopath wants to do this. That's a different story. Sadism is, is a different story completely. I could be a psychopath and I, I don't want to hurt anybody. Psychopathy is a, is a fascinating story. Psychopathy is, one of the remember, one of the number one uh, characteristics is no, no appreciation for consequence. Yeah, there's glibness. There's the hair test. But there's no appreciation for consequence. One of the things which I find fascinating, listen to me when I tell you this. If I told you, I want you to do something bad. We're going to do something bad. We're, we're going to steal money. You're, you're going to steal money from the church. I think I've told you this. You might say to yourself, I can't do that. I'll get caught. I'll lose my standing. In the, I'll be embarrassed. I'll let people down. What does that mean? Is that morality? Yeah. But it's the ability to appreciate consequence. If I do this, this. If A, then B. Or if A, then maybe B. Or likely B. If there's no connection... Here is the best test ever. They did two sto- they did two studies on actual psychopaths. Died in the wall. Clinically guaranteed to be psychopaths. Number one, they put a little device on their finger and they said, at the count of 10, we're going to give you a mild electric shock. Turns out they didn't. But the subjects didn't know this. And they did an fMRI. They did an imaging test. And they looked at the part of their brains that control anticipation, and they're going crazy. As you're counting 10, 9, 8, you know, up to this, and they're they're waiting for this. Not that they were not that they were in fear. That wasn't it wasn't the fear part, it was the anticipation part. It was the appreciation of consequence. It was the here it comes part. Do you know that psychopaths, nothing happened. Nothing. It meant nothing. They thought, well, they said they're going to do this, but maybe they didn't. Maybe they would. I don't know. Maybe they did. But here is the best one. Listen to me. You're going to love this one. This is my favorite story of them all. This explains to you. Okay? This explains to you. Have you ever been reading something and you're so engrossed in something? You're reading a book or you're, or you're watching something. You're so fascinated. Maybe something falls off the wall. Maybe like a clock or something slides off the wall. And you don't even budge. Nothing. Because you're so engrossed in this. This is so interesting. You're so fascinated by this. Nothing else matters. You're so focused on that. Whereas you're watching a scary movie, maybe when you were a kid, and you know that something's about to happen. You're so scared, you're nervous because you're watching this and you realize that bad guy's going to come around the corner or somebody's going to get hurt or whatever's going to happen. And you're watching this. And you're watching this. And then that same thing happens. The, the clock falls off the wall and you jump. What was the difference? What happened? When something was scary and icky to you, you're nervous. When you are engrossed in something that's kind of interesting, you don't care. So what did they do? They showed people in this one study the most horrible pictures you can imagine of people who met their demise horribly. Psychopaths, non-psychopaths. And as they were showing them these pictures, after a period of time, after whatever amount of time, they had like one of those stadium horns that, you know, that thing you blow that horn. Psychopaths were looking at this and when they blew the horn, they didn't budge. Regular people who were seeing this revulsed, sickened, at the edge of their seat. Each picture more horrible than the next. You blew that horn and they were meaning that to the psychopath, it wasn't registering. It's not that he liked it. It's not that he was getting off on it. It just was just interesting. There was no connection. The head and heart are disconnected. There's no connection. 
that's the thing. That's it in a nutshell. And there are people who sometimes have this trait, and they're very good. They're very brave. They're lousy chess players because they they have no sense of, well, if I move this, they're going to take my queen. No. They're very brave. They'll run out in the middle of battle. I'll get them. What? Everybody else is scared. Not this guy. I'll do it. I'll take care of that. I'll do it. So it, it, it favors this, but you're thinking, and he, he might have a traits of psychopathy, but it's beneficial. You, you call that bravery. No, some people will call that crazy. Have you enjoyed this? Have you enjoyed this? Tell me you have. We never talked about nothing. I wanted to talk about nothing. I wanted to talk about the science of nothing. What is nothing? That fascinates me. What is nothing? What does nothing mean? Does it mean empty? Zero? We'll talk about that some other time. So Barry Taylor, I want to thank you immensely. Bread Moth, so good to see you again, dear friend. Don Lashley, thank you immensely. Most, most, most kind. Thank you so much for that. PBS, thank you not only for what you've done for legions of students and science fans alike, but your generosity as well. And uh, Wendy's, want to thank our dear friends at Wendy's. Thank you so much for that. And the great and the Lionel National Scholarship Foundation. Just thank you immensely. Orange Grove, 55. Thank you as well. Jacob C. Gorenson from Los Angeles. Thank you. Incredibly. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Bread Moth again. Uh, Will H., thank you. Crooner by trade. So funny. So, so, so funny. All right, my friends. I have enjoyed tonight. Let me say one more time to the mothers. Happy Mother's Day to you. This was your day. You are you are so incredibly important. Civilization, literally, literally could not exist without you. We will see you tomorrow, same bad time, same bad channel. 8 a.m., everybody. 8 a.m. in the morning. Have a great and a glorious night. Look at the great, some great YouTube documentaries on Satanism, Satan, the, the, the history of the object, the image of Satan throughout the years. It's fantastic. So much to learn. We'll see you tomorrow, 8 a.m., same bad time, same bad channel. Until then, remember, my friends, remember this valedictory, this sayonara, this adios. The monkey's dead. The show's over. Sue ya. Ta-ta.